You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. This is Rawls on the back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Hey, Grump. Sitting in my little tiny apartment in Manhattan, freezing my ass off. It is, for all you people around the world who are listening, it is very, very cold in the New York City, New Jersey area, and uh, it's about... 11 degrees right now, and um, I had to go out today. I went to the Nick game, and just walking a half a block, my face still hurts from that half a block. So it doesn't feel as bad when you're in the playoffs, but we are not in the playoffs, so the cold weather will hurt even more. Yeah, I would, I would trade in being cold in my apartment on a on a free day off uh, for being absolutely frigid watching my Giants win in the playoffs at home. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a safe trade-off because we would also probably be pounding out 17 drinks in the Jameson room before we were in there, so we would feel nice and toasty. Oh, there's no showing up late to a playoff game. No, 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 no. We would show up probably Thursday afternoon. So, Yeah. Um. So it was championship weekend. We had – Honestly, two of the best games to watch I've seen in a long time. Better than any game this year for sure. Um, oh. I don't care. I don't care how many people say those those big shootouts that happened, you know, with the Rams and the Chiefs earlier in the year, and how much fun that was to watch. Not when there's nothing really on the line, it doesn't even come close to compare. Yeah, then those are like you remember when when you were uh, for Halloween when you were a kid, you used to get sometimes those little sugar things it like it just had red sugar and and purple sugar and the little white stick that you ate it off of that's what the regular season is those games they're they're really entertaining but they kind of go out of your system really quick this was like a thanksgiving dinner and a christmas dinner and over the course of six hours this will stick with you and uh you know i really didn't have much of a dog in the fight i mean even the patriots the end of the day who cares but damn i was on the edge of my seat you know, going into overtime for both of those games, it was it was really really exciting and entertaining football to watch. Yeah, well, any time that you have a uh, Christmas dinner and Thanksgiving dinner, you're going to have a lot of time to dissect that meal on the can. So let's jump right into it. Um, <laughs> we had uh, we were we were honestly truly blessed to have two overtime games. I, I mean, that's it doesn't get any more exciting than that. Yeah, and we've uh, we've we've suffered through two of them ourselves with the Giants and their two uh, Super Bowl runs mm-hmm. in the most recent one. So we know how you know nerve wracking that can be as a fan of one of the teams in there. But just even like I said, just sitting watching this as kind of unbiased viewers, it was pretty damn exciting. I there's a there's a very infamous picture. So. Uh, some background in in the 2011 season, uh, Cranky Fan and I grew playoff mustaches, which was great and also embarrassing. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, for every week that they won, I think it started before the playoffs. Right, it was like week 15 or something like that. We knew we were going to be. I think as soon as we clinched a playoff spot, I think is when we we went for it. Uh, well, they they didn't clinch until week 17. They had to win to get in. 
Yeah, right? but it was one of those things like there were 12 ways we could have got in and we got in by winning was the easiest thing. So it was we, we pretty much knew we were going to get in. I'm not really sure how it started, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, the the yeah. point is, is uh, aside from that, there's a there's a pretty infamous picture that my uh, my mom took of me. I was watching the game in my parents' like basement uh, after that 49ers game, right after it ended, where like I think I aged about six seven years in those in that in that overtime probably. Actually, probably in the fourth quarter to the overtime. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the look on my face is just sheer exhaustion. Like there's no there's no happiness even left in me. It's just all spent. <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll tweet that picture out. Um, yeah, send that, please. Uh, yeah. I was actually – I was at that game, and I remember if any of you guys have gone to the old Candlestick Park, there's no direct way to get there from mass transit. So it was like this bus – they went through these shitty neighborhoods behind Candlestick before you get to the light rail. And I just remember being on that light ra- on the the bus on the way to the game, and these 49er fans were pretty mouthy. And on the way back, it was silence. You know, you guys all know being on that Meadowlands train after a bad loss, how silent it can be. This thing was silent. Well, if I remember that season correctly, um. There was like a scandal with 49ers fans. I think like the week before there was like a huge fight where um what was it a Saints fan they like beat the shit out of him or something like that. Something like that. And then yeah. there were undercover cops in the stands for that game, the Giants yeah. game because it of It was that. fine. Yeah, it was we we were sitting behind one of the end zones probably 30 35 rows up and I didn't see anything. Like there was no trouble at all. They would, but you know, you could tell that it was a tense situation. It was kind of chilly and rainy, and uh, but all I remember was you know going into overtime, just like you know, it's amazing how the 2011 season kind of unfolded exactly how 2007 did with the the overtime on the road for the NFC Championship game, scoring the in the final. Win, yeah. Yeah, the, the final minute and a half scoring in the Super Bowl, and then Brady having one last chance, and then going through it again. It was just, it was just amazing. Yeah. Well, since we're we're on the subject of overtime, uh, there's a lot of griping that Patrick Mahomes didn't even get to touch the ball in overtime uh, because of the way the rule is structured with a uh, touchdown to win. Um, I don't know. Do you have any strong opinions on this matter? I have very strong opinions. It's one of the things that, uh, you know, there are some rules that are different between college and the NFL, and some of them I like better in college and some I like better in the NFL. I am a strong advocate that even if you don't go to the starting on the 25-yard line like they do in college, the fact that an offense does not potentially have the chance to get the ball is ridiculous. I mean, it's kind of like saying – in you know baseball and okay in extra innings the first team it scores and you know the top of the tenth inning the you know the away team hits a home run game over and the argument is well the pitching should have stopped them I mean it's the same stupid argument that people use now it's like well the defense should have stopped them no that's not the way it works you know you should have equal opportunity to score and don't give me the field goal thing I mean they I know they put that in a couple of years ago but no. That's still not good enough. I, I, I would rather have it 
either the college way where both teams start on the 25-yard line or just play a 10-minute quarter. You know, it, it's they, – they, 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 they're so concerned about player in, injuries and things. You know, they moved it from 15 minutes to 10 minutes. I think it was this year was the first year, maybe last year. I'm not sure. It happens so infrequently that I – Yeah, but, but to me, 10 minutes makes sense. You know, both teams will get the ball at least once. And, uh, you know, that's that. It's just, it's just, it's really ridiculous that the, the MVP of the league is not going to get even a chance to touch the ball in the most important moments of the season. Um, I'm torn because, uh, it's not exactly like baseball and, and you know this, I'm, I'm not trying to lecture you, but, uh, you know, there is always the chance that a defense will score. Um, that doesn't happen in baseball. So it's true. Um, you know, I get it. Um, I, I, I do agree though, that I think the fairest way to do it is just remove everything and just make it a 10 minute quarter because in a 10 minute quarter, you could have an eight minute drive for a score. You could have a 10 minute drive for a score and you still have the same result, but you know, you can chalk that up to good coaching. You managed to put together a 10 minute drive. Are you really going to fault them? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I see it. Um, I, I just, I don't know, man. I, at a certain level, you know, people saying the defense should have stopped them have at least a little bit, of, a little bit of a point. I mean, there, it's it's a coin toss to who gets the ball first. So it's not really like it favors any one team. Um, and then, uh, you know, in the championship game, your defense can't do anything. You know, I, I don't know. It's my big gripe isn't necessarily with this game and the way it happened. Uh, but the fact that a touchdown ends the game is sort of like, you know, what if the kickoff was returned for a touchdown? That's it. The kickoff. You know what I mean? Like that's where I really have the big issue with what we saw. You know, that was a long drive that was matriculated down the field. It wasn't two plays. It wasn't one big play. There were chances for things to happen. You know, every snap is a potential fumble. Uh, so in in the context of what transpired, I don't have a huge gripe with it. I'm also I have no bone to pick in the in the fight. So I'm sure if I were a Chiefs fan, I might have feel differently. But I do think the most fair way to do it in the playoffs is ten minute quarter. Yeah, I agree. With I you. think I think it should be like that for all games. Honestly, I I just you know. It just doesn't well, well, seem here, right. He, here's why I think it ma- it makes a difference in the regular season. There is an emphasis on injury, and in the regular season, you know, at a certain point, you know, it, let's say it's week five, right? You really want to play Beckham, you know, if he's dealing with something in an overtime game. Well, you know, if they're so concerned about injuries, they wouldn't have Thursday night games. Well, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. But I mean, I mean you I, as a I, coach being concerned about injuries. I mean, I think that's how your game is. I mean, if you're in the 45th minute of a game or something and your guy, I, I think once you once a player is playing, they're playing. Unless yeah. it's preseason where it's meaningless. And, uh, you know, injuries do happen, but to pinpoint ex- particularly on that one play in those final 10 minutes, it, it I, 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 I I, I can understand the point of where they just feel like these guys, you know, the more they play, the bigger potential for hurt, you know, 
but they don't feel that way again for Thursday night games. They don't feel that way when they want to potentially move, you know, the season going from 16 to 18 games. So they're very convenient when they want to use the let's protect our players card. Well, and, you know, you're talking about the league, right? I mean, mm-hmm. when when we talk about the rule changes, we're talking about the competition committee, which is a group of owners. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it is a little bit apples and oranges right there. Yeah, but you know something? When you're talking about the coaches, I think you ask any coach, you know, the concern about Beckham playing and getting hurt. Those coaches all would rather have their offense get a chance on the field to score as well. Yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, I, you know something? Uh, uh, Andy Reid is going to spend many nights when he's laying in bed. What if? What if? What if? What if? And and since we're kind of talking about injuries, let's talk about Todd Gurley. Yeah, very, very interesting what was going on there. I mean, nobody said anything. Uh, what exactly is the point of having Aaron Andrews or any of these uh, Tracy Wolfson or Gary Myers or anybody on the sidelines if you can't give me basic information of why the guy isn't playing? I, I said this a while ago, you know, there's a lot of things that you get with broadcast that is really insightful. And I think Tony Romo is, is a perfect example of like how insightful having the right people in the right situation can be. I mean, it makes watching the game fun and informative. And there's just some things that are really archaic and we're holding on to, and I'm not sure why. And one of them is the pregame show. And the other one is a sideline reporter. I mean, with Twitter now at games, I, I get more information faster. I mean, you know, five minutes after I've found out exactly the nature of the injury and the chances of a guy returning, I hear on the TV, you know, that he's dealing with something and it's less specific than what I've already read. And granted, what I'm reading on the internet may not be 100% accurate, but I've already moved on by the time I've heard, you know what I mean? Like, it's not... It's not helpful anymore, and I, I'm yeah. not in the minority. I don't think of people oh, like that. I, you know, I, I hardly ever watch pregame shows on Sundays because either a, we are going, we're you know, we're in the Jameson room, <laughs> or b, I'm I'm rushing to get back from Gainesville or something from another trip on Saturday, and I just don't have time for it. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. I mean, the the pregame show is exactly like what presidential debates have become now. Ah. You have you have ten people on a stage, everybody's fighting to get. You know, one or two sentences in, hoping that they get one cliched saying that kind of sticks. You know, you don't get any insight anymore. I mean, you look at these stage. I mean, they showed the halftime. I think it was the second game when they had like the little, uh, you know, the, the they put the desk out there. There's six people sitting there, and I don't care if they are the six biggest geniuses in the NFL who cover it. I'm just gonna do some math. Halftime is 12 minutes. There's six people. There's, there's six minutes of commercials. And there's six minutes of commercials and, you know, six minutes of talking about if Ally McBeal is on or whatever bullshit show is on after. It's just a big waste of time. So, you know, I know we went in a little bit of a tangent here, but, you know, people just love hearing that one idiot on Fox with his stupid impersonations or his bad comedy bit before a game. They just get into routines. You know, why do you think people were so happy last night that uh, Chris Berman and Tom Jackson did the post-game show on ESPN? 
that's what they remember and that's what they've been conditioned to like whether it's actually good or not i guess we don't really know what's wrong with Gurley. do we know what's wrong with him it's it's clear that he's not healthy i mean when he's out on the field he's not doing very well um yeah i mean the uh we what we heard from uh mcveigh was he said it was a situation where the flow of the game dictated how i use the, the running backs and that seems like a bunch of horseshit i mean you know He's one of the three best running backs in the league right now. Well, apparently I mean, he was he's he was a Pro Bowler, right? He was one of the two running yes. backs selected at the Pro Bowl before Barkley, right? Yes. I mean, you heard the uproar of Giant fans when you know Barkley wasn't getting enough touches in meaningless games, and we were out of it this year. Can you imagine if Barkley in an NFC Championship game had three touches in the first half, and they were entire series he was just standing there on the sideline? This town would go apeshit. Yeah, and what's significant is that the Rams got off to a very slow start. So, I mean, it's, you know, we look back at it now and they ended up winning and, you know, Anderson had a decent game. He had a good game, a decent game. CJ Anderson had a very good game. Uh, But in the moment, at the time, he wasn't. You know, they got off to a very sluggish start. And he's still CJ Anderson. I mean, a great story in the last month or so, but he's still CJ Anderson. He's not Todd Gurley. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, let's talk about the game for a second. You know, I, I don't even remember who I picked last week on our, on our show, but I went back and forth several times on both games and I actually finally texted out to some people at three Oh three. I set up basically screw it. I think both underdogs are not going to cover. We're, we're going to win. So, um, but I think, these four teams are all so close that overtime was not a shock to me at all. No. I mean, you play these games again, and you might have two different game teams in the Super Bowl. Oh, sure. Yeah. I uh, I remember my picks. I was wrong on both of them. <laughs> I I really, really doubted what Goff was going to be able to do in the Superdome, and he, you know, he played pretty damn well. Again, the whole Rams team got off to a slugger start. Defense, offense maybe special teams too, but, uh, you know, he, he really came out on top and I, and I thought that, um, well, I mean, even in the, in the closing seconds of that game, I thought the chiefs were going to win. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, the more I thought about it during the week, the more I just, it came down to me, offensive line and defensive line. And I thought that, uh, I, I thought they were better on both sides. In the way it kind of came all together, and uh, hey, again, you know, they were both overtime games. It's not like there was one clear-cut winner over either side. And we're going to talk about one of the games where maybe they got a little help. In how yeah, they won. well, let's get into that since we're talking about the Rams and Saints game. Um, it's a huge, huge. Um, I'll put in quotation marks. Questionable non-call. Uh, for pass interference late in the fourth quarter. I don't know. Thoughts? Well, you know something? The more that this league is stubborn on how they're trying to evolve and change to make the game better, the more these mistakes are going to happen, and the more they're going to have consequence. I, You know, the NFL pro football is a business, and it is getting exponentially bigger each year, each five years, each decade, you know, you see how much more 
TV contracts are. You see how much more the salary cap goes up. You're now incorporating legal gambling. This league has to have 150% appearance of being on board and being legitimate. And having calls that bad, it just, you know, it, it, it damages the game in so many different ways other than, well, this team got screwed. Um, I, I saw one online um, gambling site in New Jersey is refunding all the bets made on the over-under and New Orleans because of that call. A call that has not been changed by anybody. It hasn't been changed by the NFL. They haven't changed the outcome. They're not saying we're starting the game over from here. But, you know, these type of things, they, we have the technology. We have, you know, not only instant replay, if you watch a regular call on the field, you will see the officials kind of huddle up and say, wait a minute, I might have missed that call or something. Was he at it? Was it a catch? Yes or no? They'll come and they'll, and they'll talk about it and they'll overturn a call on, you know, on the field. I don't understand why the archaic, you know, bang, bang, I saw it. That's the call. And it takes, you know, a challenge to make it, I'm overturning your call as opposed to using replay as part of the decision-making by the officials. It's like a stigma to go to instant replay. It's like kind of like, hey, I caught you, ref. You made a wrong call. That culture has to change. You know, in college, the way they have it set up is if there's a catcher or a non-catcher, they're not sure. There's no challenge. It gets buzzed up from the replay official upstairs and says, well, I want to take a look at this again. And we're going to take a look at this. I don't know why on obvious plays, and I get it, it's, you know, Pass interference isn't a black and white thing like, you know, catch, not a catch, inbounds, out of bounds, touchdown, no touchdown. But it's a judgment call. And if you have more information to make the right judgment call, I don't understand why they're not doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had this discussion a while ago. There's this uh, this stigma attached to replay because of the way it was slowly introduced. It's like an overruling rather than an assistance. And that should change. I mean – it's it's unrealistic to expect a human to get the call right and to see everything and it's also egomaniacal to to think that you can't miss anything and that you know somebody overruling you is a bad thing you know a, a camera that can slow everything down to you know millionths of a second you know it's helpful and it's okay that you didn't see that because you're only human and, you know, right. whatever. The umpires should not be thought as human. The umpires are no different than the end zone line. They are no different than the out-of-bounds line. They are, you know, measures – units of measurement. You know, for if some reason that the, uh, you know, the sideline line was incorrect – You'd fix it to make sure it's correct 100% of the time. Sure. You need these officials to be – the right call needs to be made 100% of the time. It's all they are is they're just you know, enforcing rules. That's all they are. And if, they, if you're just relying on old men who can't keep up or, or just blowing calls, people make mistakes. It's human nature. 
there's repercussions. Yeah, and, and you know, prior to legal betting, I would say, you know, it's, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. You know, it's just a game. But, you know, legal betting is, is part of the NFL's brand now. They, like you said, they have to show that they are fully invested in that. Um, and in order to do that, they can't have big calls that potentially ruin the outcome of the game. That being said, I have a personal mantra on what to complain about. Um, you know, Saints fans, you have every right to bitch about that. It was a very poorly blown call. Something, whether it's helmet-to-helmet contact, you know, pass interference, whatever you want to call, there was serious contact before the ball was catchable. Um, however, that play was not a touchdown. Um, that play did not prevent the Saints from winning. Um, if this were me as a fan in Giants game and the Giants got screwed like this, I would bitch and complain, but there is no guarantee that had that call been made that a score is happening on the next play. Every snap is a potential fumble. So unless that throw was to the end zone and he caught it, landed in bounds, and they blew that call, it doesn't it to me, you know, there's still too many variables at play there. The only blown call that I can think of in recent memory was the year the replacement officials were in and there was that interception, no, it's a touchdown call in the end zone between the Packers and the Seahawks. Oh and that's no, see yeah. Go ahead. Because of exactly that. You know, what happened on that play directly affects the score. Directly. And you know, not for nothing, but following that the Saints, yes, screwed. They still had an opportunity to win in overtime, and they didn't. You know, this was not a direct, you know, result to the end. of The end of the game was not a direct result of that call. It was an indirect result. Um, affected, yes, but did it, you know, change it? No, it didn't. It's, and- it's, it really changed the odds of winning, though. It really did because did they get that, you know, they can they can control the clock. They can you know, it, it changed everything. It changes things, yes. But again, there were still opportunities to. It, they weren't even behind. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I understand where you're coming from. It, it wasn't a guarantee of anything, but yes. Jesus Christ! I mean, oh, it's it, it's, uh, a, it's the it, worst missed call I think of the year, probably. Right? I, it's it's the worst missed call of the year, and you're talking about the the worst calls we've ever had. I I'm not going to go any further. In the 2003 playoff game with the Giants and the 49ers, that last play where, you know, there was, it was the botched uh, snap on the on the the field goal, yep. and you know, two receivers get dragged to the ground, and the NFL admits the next day we blew the call. It should have been pass interference, but you know, tough shit. You know, I, I don't mm-hmm. know exactly what an apology gets you, but that was the last play of the game. You know, yep. if. If they make the right call and say pass interference, you get the ball way closer, and we're going to overtime in that game. So, you know, I'll ne- that is the angriest I have ever been in my life at the end of a football game because we were screwed. And I didn't watch one second of the playoffs the rest of that year because they were not going to get my Nielsen rating after that bullshit. And, and, and I'm pissed off right now because you know 
fucking Jeremy Shockey in that game. Who I hated his guts from his Miami days, and he was a piece of shit when he was with the Giants. You remember that game? He dropped a sure touchdown pass, and he started that bullshit by throwing uh, ice into the into the stands and throwing with people. And everything. The guy was a turd. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, and that just manifested itself in everything that was wrong with the guy. And uh, you can see Grump that that game is. So don't get me started about that game, which apparently I already have. So yeah, if there's like a Back to the Future moment for you. It's like that's your date. You know, it's, that's your November fifth, nineteen eighty five. Yeah, that changes the course of cranky fan life. You know, in an alternate reality, he's actually like the happy fan or something. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> whole other podcast out there. If I could, if I could be share and turn back time, the first thing I do was I would have drafted that fucking loser because then I know a lot of people love him. And, you know, you still to this day see some, you know, people wearing jockey jerseys, but the guy was more trouble than he was worth. And that game, you know, again, like you're saying before, one play didn't impact things, but that drop touchdown in the third quarter, that game is iced. No, 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 no. I, I did not say one play doesn't impact things. I, no, no, no. I mean, it doesn't like, you know, say that's it. They, 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 they didn't win the game because of that one play. And like similar thing, like. They didn't. Giants didn't lose that game because he dropped that t- touchdown pass, mm. but it led down a path of bad things that happened. Yeah. And yeah, I go hose myself off for a second. Yeah, so now I'm very fired up. So, <laughs> um, I mean, I I think we had two great games. I I was really happy watching both of them. I I didn't really care who won either one of them, um, and we got to see great. Great, great performances. You watch uh, greatness. I mean, you saw a thing. We, 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 you know, Tom Brady is, you know, he's kind of awkward socially in a way. He has to kiss his wife's ass, and he just seems like a kind of a smug guy and everything. But, you know, goddamn. <laughs> Wait, well, with two minutes, two minutes and six seconds left, did you have any doubt at all they were going to score? No, but Zero. here's what I'm, here's what I'm going to say. That narrative completely changes from that game. If, uh. D Ford does not line up offsides and Brady throws a pick there because that's what happened. He threw yeah. a pick. Uh, you know, now you're looking at a headline that Tom Brady couldn't hack it on the road again this year because he threw a pick in the end zone and then he threw a pick where he should be bringing his team into overtime. And yeah. that's, you know, Chiefs fans. You can complain about the overtime rules all you want, but you should be looking at your own defensive lineman who yeah. royally fucked you on that play because him lining up offsides had no effect on that play whatsoever. That's true. And, you know, Tom Brady blew it himself. Well, yeah. it was it, sorry, that 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 would have been the narrative is what I'm saying. That was should have been a catch. <laughs> should you have know, been I, caught I, by the receiver, but was a an interception that would have iced that game just about. I still think it's amazing, Grump, where you see like today on Twitter, people are like, well, now I'm ready to admit that Tom Brady is the best of all time. It's like it takes the, five, the five Super Bowls and the, you know, the nine Super Bowl appearances, that wasn't enough. This game against the 31st best defense in the league, this is the game that you decided that now he's the best. I, I just really funny how some people take him so long to come around, if that's what you believe. You know, uh, like, they're not coming around late. They just... They just don't like him. Yeah. I mean, 
But let's talk about that for a second, that first pick in the end zone, which I don't know about you. My instant thought was that's, you know, the uh, the interception that New England had against Seattle into the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Yeah. I mean, did you think it was a bad play call or just a bad decision by Brady to throw it? I'm going to be completely honest. I was hardly paying attention in that actual moment. <laughs> I was putting my laundry away while I was watching. Wasn't really paying that much attention. So why don't you tell me what you think? I just think it was just a <laughs> quite a, quite a save. Uh, I, I just thought it was just a bad throw. I mean, it was just one of those things like there was double coverage in a short spot and Brady was just, he made the decision he was going to throw it right there. So, mm. you know, I play calling, you know, early in the game like that's a lot different than, you know, first and goal on the one with, a you know, seconds, seconds left in go. a Super yeah. Bowl. Yeah. It was, I think it was just a, a a poor decision by Brady. And, hey, look, these guys make – I don't care if you're the GOAT or whatever you are. Some people just – you know, sometimes you make mistakes. Now, if this was Eli Manning who would have thrown that, holy shit. <laughs> I mean, Brady, that, that play is going to be kind of forgotten in history now because they won the game. The people but, already – in history, it's already forgotten. That's what I mean. I mean, it's just like it's it's – but if they lose that game, that's something that, you know, I don't think Brady would get as much of the grief for throwing that as something like Eli would have. Well, Eli hasn't built up the credibility. No, I mean, but, I mean, Eli is – people jump on Eli for plays like that, which, you know, oh, you know, just kind of careless in the end in the, in the red zone and, you know, bad throws in the red zone. 100%. Um, yeah. And and even if he had the year that Tom Brady had this year, and then through that pick in that game, you know it will go back to you know Eli throws picks in the red zone sometimes. Yeah, he's built that reputation up. So he's yeah, already yeah he he's I, that's a fair criticism. It's one that I throw around all the time. And you know what? When people jump on him for that, I'm like hey, that's who he's been since the day he was drafted. Right. He will throw a boneheaded pick. <laughs> like once every two games, like not just like a pick, like a really like, what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, 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 you know, Tom Brady's built up credibility where if he does something like that, it's very uncharacteristic of him. Right. He just you know, doesn't look like a 41 year old quarterback to me though. I no, mean, he doesn't. Th- you know, and you know, he sort of looked like a 41 year old quarterback in November, but it's amazing how this, I guess they're kind of like, you know, how the Golden State Warriors are in basketball where they're going to play rope-a-dope during the regular season. You know, it, it does it really matter if they win 60 games or 55 games? It's when the playoffs come, it's time to play and they steamroll. And maybe, you know, for someone like Tom Brady, maybe that's just, you know, he's a 41-year-old guy. Does he need to play 100% all out? For 17 games and as long as they make the playoffs and then you know away they go i we won't go into predictions for the super bowl yet because we still got a whole week in between um but there is sort of one last thing i i kind of want to mention it's it's a little bit giants related uh the nfl has announced the international games for next year for 2019 and uh the giants will not be among them why really actually thought it was going to happen um Partially because um, Saquon Barkley's jersey was like the number two selling jersey in the UK. You know, 
it's one of the things you have to remember is that it's a money-driven league. It's one of the things they care about. They could give a lot less shits about a lot of other things, about how fair it is for a team to go there more often than, than others. But, and we've been there a few times already. I think this we've been there th- three times. Definitely twice. I don't know about three times. I've been out there twice. I think there was a third time where we didn't go for some reason. But there's definitely been uh, – they played Miami in 2007, and Correct. they played the Rams in to three years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the teams that are going, you know, the Bucks are going – Again, the Rams. That's the one I thought. I thought we were going to end up playing the Bucks. Yeah, I was pretty happy. It's not there because that was a trip for us. We're going down to that game next year. Um, It's a lot longer trip to London than it is to Tampa. Um, The Rams are going. The Chargers are going to Mexico. Jacksonville is going again. Uh, Well, Jacksonville's in a contract to go like every for like five years to go every year or something like that. Yeah, I think their big plan kind of got squelched. I mean, uh, their owner was looking to buy Wembley Stadium, and it fell through. So mm-hmm. I think it was kind of his master plan was to have a game every year there, and who knows? It's it's just I, mean, I I don't know. You know, it seems like the NFL is trying really really hard to make this London thing really, you know, if not putting a permanent team there, you know forcing these teams to play over there. I, I just don't know what the impact really is. Is it really making inroads or not? Uh, I know most of the games are sold out, but, you know, are we talking that much of a money difference? It's, I don't know if it's necessarily a money grab, but it just seems like it's a competitive disadvantage to the team that has to go, you know, with uh, you know the, all the time zones and everything. I, I don't know. It just – when we were over there, it was mostly Americans who were at the game, you know, expats that live in England or came over from France. You didn't see as many, you know, Brits actually at the game. You see lots of different jerseys there, but I don't know if it's really something that uh, England really cares about after 10 plus years of doing this. And, you know, how much incrementally, how much extra money are they making? Is it really justifying it? And is the league really growing over there where it's something that it's a significant revenue stream? Like, for example, what the NBA has got going on with China now. They're making millions and millions of dollars on digital rights and, and cable rights and stuff. I don't know. It just it seems like they're trying really, really hard. I don't know what the payoff is. I think the fact that we don't know how much it's making is actually credence that it's not making money. Yeah. But, you know, Giants fans rejoice. You know, we don't have to complain about an unfair time zone travel um, or getting up at, I don't know, what, seven to be drunk by nine. (laughs) Um, Good point. Good point. All right. Well, that's pretty much it for this week. Remember, you can always find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Yep, another week where I forgot to fix the link on iTunes, so we are still on SoundCloud. You know, for uh, some reason, I had an alert on my phone to tell me to fix it, and it never went off. So let's try again this week. For now, <laughs> I would go to SoundCloud. That's the link we will have on our Twitter and Facebook accounts. And Grump, why don't you tell us where that Twitter account is? Yeah, the Twitter account is just at JustGiantsPod. Um, 
or if you just follow me at at the at football underscore grump, I will always bump those posts. Uh, the link right there in the tweet will take you directly to SoundCloud. I don't think you have to have an account to listen to it, do you? No, you don't. Yeah, I mean, you, it's, it's it's good to have so you have it like saved as one of your favorites and yeah. in your uh, in the feed, kind of like iTunes. But uh, yeah, but it, but for people who are typically listening through iTunes and you're kind of lost without it, uh, you don't have to make a SoundCloud account in this short interim where there's no iTunes links. Um, <laughs> I'm making a note right now, Grump, on my phone <laughs> to make sure iTunes link is fixed. <laughs> um, and also you can follow me on Twitter, like I said, at football underscore Grump, where I have a lot of my own thoughts there. I interact with people, complain, etc. cetera. Uh, but also we're getting into draft season where I – you know, we, we cover a lot of stuff on the show, but sometimes it's just easier to type out. You know, some things I edit out of the show because it's too long and uh, – you know, it, it becomes interest on Twitter, but it's not worth discussing on the little airtime or whatever that we have. Uh, so, you know, some thoughts that you might, you know, have questions for me on a certain player or whatever might be available there and one it's not on the show. And you can also just reach out to me and I'll answer them. And I imagine, too, that uh, once we get past the Super Bowl, we will start with our uh, position reviews, you know. How did it look in 2018? What are we thinking about 2019? What potential free agents might be out there? What potential draft picks would be out there for it? You know, what priority we see these, these position uh, groups? Um, you know, are somewhat not really expert opinions, but you know, we have lots of time still between now and late April, and a little earlier with free agency. But uh, we will start those in earnest. So we will have a, our weekly. Run in positions, but we'll start shortly. That's right. And uh, you can always find the Cranky Fan on Twitter, too. That's right. I am out there at the Cranky Fan. Um, be sure also to check out my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan, where we discuss all things Florida Gators. We had uh, fucking Evil Georgia poach one of our uh, coaches this week, and I will be ranting and raving about loyalty on this week's episode. So be sure to check that out. That will be quite a. Uh, outburst for me um but yeah check it out um my twitter account again is at the cranky fan so please give me a follow i might even follow you back if you're halfway interesting hmm. well be sure to like subscribe you know whatever you got to do to follow us um and we will see you next week go giants go giants